Firstly, Ben, can you tell me what exactly is ButteQ? ButteQ is a pirate network, but unlike other pirate networks, it's far more advanced. And certainly the Qatari side who had their rights stolen via the official broadcaster of many rights, BN Sports, would argue that it's advanced because it is government sponsored and funded. But regardless of that, ButteQ was a piracy network that ran for approximately three years, stopping last August and it was geo-blocked specifically to Saudi Arabia. And over those three years, it started by stealing rights from BN Sports, the Qatari broadcaster, like I say, the official rights holder of most of what it aired. And over time, it became even more advanced and the channels increased and the sport that it streamed came from other places such as BBC Sport and ESPN as well. And in stealing those rights, it obviously showed a flagrant disregard for intellectual property. And as a consequence of that, being sports predominantly, but slowly other broadcasters and federations and owners of rights effectively pulled together to try and take action. And because they were unable to enter Saudi Arabia to go into those courts to pursue either civil or criminal action, they effectively ran into a brick wall, at least within Saudi Arabia. And after a long and lengthy legal battle over those three years, the channel suddenly disappeared, making it even harder for those seeking justice, whether that's justice from a legislative point of view or a financial point of view, um, it made it a lot harder for them to make any progress because once the channel was gone, so was a lot of the paper trail relating to it. So it's quite safe to say that the Saudi Arabian government, the royal family, were well aware of this venture that came from Saudi Arabia, had many of fingerprints of members of the royal family. You speak about how a royal advisor, Saud al-Khitani, tell me about him. Yeah, I mean, coming back to your first point before we talk specifically about Saud al-Qahtani, the Saudi Arabian government argue that BLQ was rogue and they originally disputed that it had any physical presence within Saudi Arabia. And originally they pointed to Cuba and Colombia, but a series of independent reports and the opposing side in Qatar and all of these different rights holders, such as the Premier League and La Liga, all firmly believe through a variety of different things, but most notably frequency analysis, which can pinpoint a specific location. They do all argue that it was present in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, if you're looking for balance, you can say that one side still maintains that they had absolutely nothing to do with the BLQ network in Saudi Arabia. And the other side obviously points to it running from Saudi Arabia. Once you believe, and the evidence certainly waits on this side, that it was present and functioning in Saudi Arabia, it's then a lot harder to say that the government couldn't have known about it simply because of the link between the government and the main satellite broadcaster, Arabsat, which is heavily under government control. So at a point where you believe, and again, the World Trade Organization, the European Commission also fell on the Qatari side of the coin, if you like. Once you believe that the pirate network broadcast on Arabsat and thus on a Saudi-based frequency, specifically in Arabsat in Riyadh, because Arabsat more broadly is Panmina owned, but it's fully controlled within Saudi Arabia um, by Um, Saudi nationals and has huge government influence over it. So then it would be 
plausible and logical to say that the government would have known that the pirate network was running for three years on effectively a, a government run satellite provider. And then uh, as far as people like um, Saud al Qatani um, and others are concerned, uh, they're senior royal advisors. Um, and the role that they play in this context is in um, particularly promoting BLQ when it first launched, which is significant because in retrospect, if the Saudi Arabian government are to deny any knowledge of or control over BLQ, um, then these royals, royal advisors such as Saud al Qatani and others, supporting BLQ on their social media, talking up the channel's launch, uh, being present at sponsored screenings during the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia, watching Saudi Arabia play Egypt on a big screen in Riyadh, uh, being visibly present there, and um, obviously on the big screen it being clear that the channel airing it was BLQ, to then in retrospect say that they had nothing to do with it, they didn't know about it, and it didn't even come from Saudi Arabia, those two narratives are slightly at odds. So they're significant because they're some of the few people that have put out there um, on their social media handles or in public interviews over the last three years, statements relating to BLQ. And then in more recent months, when BLQ has been a stumbling block, particularly in relation to a proposed takeover of Newcastle United by Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, at that point, when Saudi Arabian government officials needed to deny BLQ, some of these earlier comments came back to haunt key individuals because it naturally tied them to the channel that they're now denying. Do you believe that that would have been much more of a stumbling block for the Saudi officials in their venture to buy Newcastle United from the controversial Mike Ashley, other than their human rights record, whereas you look at Manchester City is owned by a petrol state in the United Arab Emirates, is there a sense that maybe the Premier League is trying to pretend it's taking a moral high ground, but in reality, there the issue over st- stealing these really lucrative rights is much more of a sticking point for them? I think that it's the opposite of the Premier League taking a moral high ground, as they, they may wish to take a moral high ground like any organisation, but legally they have no ability to, which is why when Jamal Khashoggi's fiance wrote to the Premier League in relation to the Newcastle United takeover and said it shouldn't happen. Richard Masters could only reply and say, although I sympathise with you, I can't take meetings with you and I can't factor this in. So the Premier League, regardless of if they wish or do not wish to take a moral stance, and regardless of whether they believe that the main majority of the consortium through the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, is or isn't linked to the Saudi Arabian government, regardless of any of those things, their their, their primary starting point in this area uh, relates to piracy. And the reason it relates to piracy is not because of any moral high ground, it's not because of any wider uh, view on Saudi Arabia or any individuals within the Saudi Arabian government. It is specifically because it relates directly to the Premier League, which is ultimately their only area of control. So what we're looking at in the context of piracy is the Premier League believe that their rights were stolen by those behind BLQ. They believe BLQ was in Saudi Arabia and they believe that there is enough evidence um, within um, the um 
backstory of BLQ to tie that back to senior Saudi Arabian officials and government officials. And they, they have, over the course of the last three years, provided such evidence to support B and sports court cases, but also via their own independent court cases. They've tried nine times in Saudi Arabia independently of B and sports to take civil action and, and fails because no law firm would take their case due to a, a conflict of interest, which again suggests that law firms are scared about potentially going head to head on behalf of the Premier League against the Saudi Arabian government. So um, the, the Premier League's main concern here and main reason for objecting, or not even necessarily objecting, but doing due diligence against the Newcastle United takeover was to establish one, is this group PIF directly linked to the Saudi Arabian government and or influenced or controlled by them. And given that the media minister and Mohammed bin Salman are part of the PIF board, despite the fact that PIF is legally listed as a separate entity to the Saudi Arabian government, you can understand why the Premier League felt that there could potentially be some influence and the Saudi Arabian state would thus be a shadow director of Newcastle United. Um, and once they've established that, that they're establishing that not, in my view anyway, because they then want to say, sorry, uh, Newcastle United, we don't want to sell the club to these because we think that they're under the control of Mohammed bin Salman and look at his human rights record. I don't think that's anything to do with it. I think the connection the Premier League were looking to make was, yes, to safeguard them, to be clear who was in full control of Newcastle. But legally, once they had it on paper and agreed by PIF potentially, even if that was through arbitration, that they were in fact controlled by the Saudi Arabian state, then the Premier League would be able to say, well, we believe the Saudi Arabian state directly stole our rights through BLQ. So therefore, we're going to reject the takeover. And because both parties would have then agreed to that link, the Premier League would be on stronger legal ground to potentially reject the takeover. Or, you know, if you argue the opposite, accept the takeover and then work with PIF in order to get justice on behalf of uh, the Premier League and other rights holders in relation to BLQ. So you can argue it a number of different ways. It's ifs and buts because the takeover never happened. Uh, but ultimately, the Premier League's concerns related to the Premier League, they were not there, whether rightly or wrongly, to be arbitrators of wider moral or human rights issues. The name itself, BLQ, is quite a, a slap in the face to the original rights holders, BN Sports. Many people here in this side of the world would know BN Sports quite ironically through maybe streaming or pirating their own versions of whatever sporting events they may see. So they're quite a, a mainstay within the Arab world and worldwide in bringing sporting events, especially the Premier League, to a wider audience. Why is it then that the pettiness from the Saudi Arabians has come to the point where they created this Be Out Q, which is an inverse of Be In Sports and adding a Q as well, trying to, as you say, unsubtly allude to Qatar? Is there a reason for such a high level of pettiness, I suppose, and the fact that they made it out to be a, a Qatari venture while the satellite's frequencies were pointing towards Riyadh? Yeah, I mean, they didn't make it out to be a Qatari venture. They made the name out to say be out as opposed to be in and then out unsubtly alluding also to get out and cue for Qatar. So there's sort of two messages behind the name. One is just a pun on B in sports, but the back half of the name is kind of alluding to out cue as in get out of Saudi Arabia, Qatar, you could argue. And, you know, there are some to deflect. 
that say that the Qataris, if we're talking conspiracy theories, and you'll certainly hear this within certain Saudi Arabian quarters, there are some that will say the Qataris started this in order to slander the name of Saudi Arabia. But there's certainly no plausible evidence behind that theory uh, other than pettiness, as you allude to, between the two sides. And the pettiness stems from something much bigger, which is ultimately the politics. And since a dispute regarding terrorism and funding and specifically Iran uh, between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, there's been a blockade in the Middle East and Qatar has been largely isolated, particularly from other big countries within the so-called MENA or Middle East and North Africa region. So, you know, the main ones are obviously Saudi Arabia and the UAE. And then Egypt also is in support of uh, the Saudi side. And then there's a number of other countries that, you know, have either taken a side or um, have taken um, a standpoint um, or, or will take a standpoint, even if they've not done publicly. And when you sort of add all that up, there's not that many Qatar sympathisers because of the power of Saudi Arabia, the UAE and Egypt put together. Uh, but it stems, like I say, from politics. It stems from a dispute um, regarding where money is being funded from the Qatari government. And Saudi Arabia argue that Qatar is, is effectively funding terrorism and um, as a consequence, cut its borders. And um, interestingly, the decision to do that came shortly after Donald Trump visited Saudi Arabia. And um, I think at that point, Saudi perhaps thought that they had US support um, and decided to take a stand against kind of its um, you know, little brother in many senses. And, you know, some people think that the stand was genuine. Other people think that the stand was because Qatar was growing so fast and Saudi Arabia needed to do something to remain the dominant uh, force in this particular region. Um, but anyway, after all that happened, the, the politics led to the isolation of Qatar. And um, within that isolation of Qatar, you could kind of argue Saudi Arabia had almost everything it needed except for sport. And what Qatar had in terms of crown jewels was still the 2022 World Cup. And more pertinently in the short term, most, if not all, of the major live sports rights that Saudi Arabians wanted to watch. So Saudi Arabia felt that it needed to do something um, in order to stream the rights that obviously its population wanted to see without allowing a Qatari broadcaster to function within their country. And it, it did that ultimately and originally by stating that it would start its own sports broadcaster called PBS Sport. And shortly after that disappeared out of the blue after a big launch and fanfare, um, BLQ emerged, which was sort of coincidental and a little bit strange. Um, but um, for whatever reason, the Saudi Arabian government maintained that there was no link between the two, the official proposed broadcaster that mysteriously disappeared and the pirate network that followed it shortly afterwards. So um, obviously, in the short answer to your question is that Saudi Arabia just didn't want to air a Qatari broadcaster uh, or promote a Qatari broadcaster um, even though they wanted the sport that that Qatari broadcaster owned. So that that's the sort of uh, first point to make. And then as a, a as a side point to that, um, at the same time, the Saudi Arabian uh, intellectual property uh, division, which is relatively new, 
and some members in the Saudi Arabian government argued that BN was a, broadcasting according to illegal practices anyway. So regardless of BLQ, they wanted to kick BN Sports out of Saudi Arabia due to the way that it was, um, the, the word is technically known as bundling um, various events. And, you know, again, in layman's terms, um, what, what that means is the broadcaster is selling you a package for X amount of sport. And then when a big event comes along, they're saying that particular event is going to be screened on a new channel that is encrypted unless you pay extra. And the Saudi Arabians argued that that, that bundling or charging extra from the original package you think you've purchased constitutes commercial malpractice. And as a consequence, they terminated BN Sports license uh, very recently. But um, during the period when BLQ ran, BN Sports's license was uh, suspended and, and BN spent two or three years appealing that. Um, so, you know, the Saudis would argue two things. They would argue one, that, that they just didn't want BN Sports in their country, uh, which is a strange argument to make if it's a rogue pirate station that you've got nothing to do with. But at the same time, you don't want BN Sports there and you're happy with BLQ. But then again, you don't know about it because it's a rogue operation. So there's a slight contradiction there in that narrative. Uh, and, but like I say, there's the second subplot that they just believe BN had uh, breached commercial uh, rules, so didn't deserve to have a license anyway within Saudi Arabia, regardless of that. Does this spat over sporting rights, I suppose, give further credence to the idea that the original Saudi blockade on Qatar was over the growing influence of Al Jazeera across the Arab world. Al Jazeera did give birth to be in sports, if I'm correct in saying that, but they're no longer affiliated. Yeah, exactly. And um, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it. Theory number one is that BN is synonymous with Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is synonymous with the Qatari Emir. The Qatari Emir is synonymous with funding terrorism. And therefore, BN becomes the target point of Saudi Arabia making a political statement and uh, fighting back, at least on one level, the level of sport and entertainment against Qatar. So, so that's certainly one argument. But like you correctly say, BN was under Al Jazeera and is now independent from Al Jazeera. And again, in fairness for balance, the Saudi Arabians will argue that that is the same legal technicality of independence as PIF is from the Saudi government. So effectively, um, you know, if you're going to buy that BN isn't influenced by Al Jazeera anymore, then you have to also buy that PIF isn't influenced by the crown prince. Um, I, I don't personally think that the two are synonymous, but I do take the point that a lot of people still think that BN um, falls under Al Jazeera. It's still in the Al Jazeera complex. It, it's still ultimately part funded um, and living off the historical funding of the Al Jazeera network. Yet, by the same token, now BN Sports is classified as totally independent. It is going forward funded as totally independent. And um, if you go into the Al Jazeera complex now, it is all sealed off. You can't get from BN into Al Jazeera or vice versa. They're geographically um, and logistically and now financially totally separate. So, um, you know, whereas the Saudis will still argue that they're lashing out um, at BN Sports to make a statement and because ultimately they just want to watch sport. Um, 
be in sports will argue we're in our private company. We've got nothing to do with the politics. We've got no influence or control by the government. And we've spent millions and billions, if you add up all their rights over the last six years uh, to build a sports network. Uh, and those rights are just being pinched. So, um, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for being in terms of if you isolate them and look at their business license and look at what they've bought um, and then look at what was stolen. None of that really has anything to do with politics. It's just a plain theft of IP. It's, it's as simple as that. But of course, if you choose to connect it to the wider picture, um, you can at least understand why those on the Saudi side uh, felt it, it was a strong way of making a statement. But that doesn't excuse the fact that being ultimately the victims here, you know, even if you want to get embroiled in the politics and take a side, even if you uh, want to uh, look into the allegations of Qatar funding terrorism or Saudi's human rights and have a debate about that, that that's a very valid approach. Um, and it, it certainly pertains to a wider issue. But if you actually remove all of that, which doesn't really have anything to do with BN Sports on a day to day basis, uh, BN Sports did just have things that they bought legally stolen, uh, which does seem very unjust and unfair. So you can certainly understand why they were unhappy about it. And then if you remove the politics completely from it, what about the Premier League? What about ESPN? What about BBC Sport? You know, none of these broadcasters um, are um, based out in either Qatar or Saudi Arabia. None of these broadcasters have anything to do with the politics. Most of these broadcasters have worked with or done ventures in, or if they have rights, um, spoken with or worked with Saudi Arabia and Qatar before on various things. Um, so they're completely distant from the, this wider crusade for justice in political spheres. Uh, and they've also been affected by all of this. So uh, th there's a lot of victims. And um, I think that's partially why the Saudi Arabian government are so keen to distance themselves from any involvement, because, you know, were they to come out and say we did this because we're championing politics, um, if they did it, of course, because it is still just allegations, um, they, they would win a lot of um, local support and MENA-wide support, uh, but they would lose their relationships with a lot of independent and innocent organisations that have been affected by all this. Figures for compensation for being sports that they allege to have lost by the theft of their intellectual property, it's quite a staggering figure, almost £6 billion, you say that's enough to buy Premier League rights for 36 seasons, so it's not an insignificant, uh, well far from it, it being an insignificant uh, amount of theft that they claim has has happened to them. But from Be Out Q's broadcast, what kind of clues did they give to, to who was behind this and who was operating it? There's a few areas that provide solid clues as opposed to speculative or circumstantial ones. The first one, and one of the most powerful ones, is frequency analysis. So ultimately, the standpoint of Saudi Arabia and specifically the SAIP, which is the Saudi Authority for Intellectual Property Protection. Their standpoint is it's Cuba and it's Colombia. And then the frequency analysis by the independent agency Mark Monitor, which was a co-commission report by lots of different rights holders, interestingly not be in sports, but most of the rights holders coming together. Uh, that report looked at ArabSat, which is a satellite network, um, it is a Panmina company, but they look specifically at Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, which, like I say, is known by 
and effectively, in a de facto sense, operated by the Saudi Arabian governments. So they looked specifically at Arabsat's frequencies in Riyadh, and that was when they were able to connect them to B out Q's uh, frequencies, proving not only the location uh, of the broadcast, uh, which was always unsurprising because nobody kind of hid, regardless of where BLQ started from, nobody hid the fact that it was targeted to Saudi Arabia. Uh, but where was it targeted from? And what this report showed was that the, the frequencies were not only broadcasting on Arabsat, uh, but they were broadcasting from Saudi Arabia as well. And um, they were able to track a specific alleged HQ. Um, and there is some video evidence to back that up within Riyadh and also a call center dealing with customers in demand as well. So that, that frequency analysis was quite powerful. It is refuted by Arabsat, who claim that they've seen no evidence that BLQ was on their network. And Arabsat also pointed out that they themselves did a report uh, that everyone seems to be ignoring, which doesn't show a presence of BLQ. Uh, but when I got a copy of that report, that report, unlike the first one I referenced from Mark Monitor, uh, was only selective frequency analysis. So there's two main uh, Arab sat satellites in question here, and they were looking at them one by one and not together. And they were also looking in the report a lot of different times when sport wasn't happening. So naturally, there wasn't a BLQ presence, but they weren't, for example, picking the Champions League final or the World Cup final and looking at all of their satellites simultaneously during the 90 minutes to see whether there was a BLQ uh, presence. And that was very strange because if you're going to disprove something, you have to obviously pick a time when sport was taking place and BLQ was actually broadcasting. Uh, so it's very selective. Um, and probably the other bit of evidence, which is very physical and tangible, is a uh, credit card receipt uh, by uh, the head of um, Cellavision, which is um, another Saudi-based provider that um, did all of the sort of um, app and internet TV side of things in order to promote BLQ uh, via phones and iPads and third party applications and ultimately purchased um, and facilitated and ran the sort of hosting service where BLQ actually broadcast. And to do that, they, they worked with a US company called Beluga, who basically provide all the services that I've just mentioned. So somebody went to Beluga on behalf of BLQ and said, hello, Beluga, uh, I would like to buy hosting space for BLQ and I want it put on this website, blq.se, which is now defunct. But that was the website where you could purchase BLQ, log in and watch BLQ. Um, so, you know, naturally, whoever bought that hosting space via Beluga um, was somebody who knew about BLQ. And it turns out that the head of Cellavision, uh, who, who is not Saudi government, but is a prominent Saudi businessman um, called Dr. Um, Raid Kushaim, um, it, it turned out that he, for some strange reason, had used his personal credit card um, to make that purchase for um, a couple of thousand odd dollars. And uh, when the investigation started into BLQ, an affidavit from the head of Beluga uh, was provided, and so was the credit card receipt. So uh, even though Cellavision and uh, Dr. Kashem deny um, that that purchase had anything to do with BLQ, um, it's very difficult to ignore a credit card receipt from a third-party company based in the US that says 
that credit card was used. And at no point has the head of Cellevision stated that it was fraud or that his card was stolen or that it was a mistake. Um, so that is probably the most solid individual piece of evidence that connects somebody senior within Saudi Arabia and a Saudi Arabian business to a specific purchase relating to BLQ services. And um, every time Dr. Kashem has been asked about that, he's dodged questions or he said it's unrelated or he said it's uh, misleading what the purchase was for. Um, but a sworn affidavit from Beluga very clearly affirms that he did business with BLQ, which again would strongly suggest that prominent Saudi Arabian officials and businesses were involved in supporting the pirate network. Where now for this situation? Because it wasn't so long ago until I, I remember Gianni Infantino, head of FIFA, stating that the games could be shared with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to help end the blockade. What happens now if this is such a high-ranking level of theft and international sporting piracy? Where do the two sides kind of go now in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I think there's a number of theories and options from the Saudi Arabian side. They're quite willing to sort of sport wash their way into a cleaner future and are hoping that that will pacify everyone involved. So if they continue to deny BLQ and simultaneously continue to implement better intellectual property protection measures and continue to invest in various sports and bring some of those sports to Saudi Arabia and ultimately start their own sports channel, then at that point, um, they can keep denying BLQ, hope that nobody makes a legal connection that exposes them and hope that ultimately money sort of trumps morality in some senses. Um, because moving forwards, if they do everything now by the book and invest in various sports, those sports will welcome the money in the same way that those sports have accepted money from other uh, countries or individuals that might have question marks by them. Um, you know, and plenty of people will point out the irony that Qatar has question marks, uh, the UAE has question marks, but they've been able to invest within sports and, um, you know, to a large extent, sport wash their way to success. So why can't Saudi Arabia do the same? The, the problem for Saudi Arabia going forwards is when people continue to make connections between the government and theft, um, because if as those connections get stronger and louder, it, it's a lot harder to just ignore them. Uh, whereas perhaps with other countries and clubs, some of the connections, some of the allegations of malpractice uh, have come after they've made the purchase rather than before, or perhaps they're not as directly linked to the individual leagues or federations, whereas, you know, we're specifically saying here, did the Saudi government allegedly steal Premier League rights? And do the Saudi government now want to invest in a Premier League club? So naturally, there's going to be more of a debate before someone's welcomed into the Premier League uh, because of that direct link, rather than potentially if that direct link wasn't known and then it was found out afterwards. Um, so, you know, there's a few things to your question. One is perhaps money will just talk. And um, if it does talk and Saudi Arabia do things by the book, they can eventually start buying sports rights when they're available in different cycles and start a legit sports channel. Um, and, and in doing so, gain the trust of rights holders and their audience. Um, that's one option. Uh, option number two is that they... Um, facilitate an agreement that shares the rights 
um, and they ask rights holders to offer rights on a country by country basis rather than across the whole of the Middle East and North Africa region. And that obviously then removes the politics, but it means the individual rights holders have to start selling the rights country by country by country. And um, the challenge of that is logistical and also whether there would be enough bids from each individual country for the likes of the Premier League to make as much money as they do now. There's, there's a clear reason why they offer the rights to the MENA region in bulk. Uh, one is to remove a logistical headache, but two is because they won't necessarily get bids in Bahrain or Kuwait um, and some of the other smaller places, Amman, Iran, Iraq. Um, and if they do, there may only be one bidder and um, they may be forced to sell them at very low prices because the main market is Saudi Arabia. It constitutes about 12% of the entire MENA region. And then you add places like the UAE and um, Egypt and one or two others, and uh, suddenly you're sort of pushing close towards 50% of the whole market. So then if the whole other 50% is lots of different countries that perhaps don't have a sports broadcaster or don't have the money to bid for the rights, then the Premier League have to run around to try and get coverage instead of just going with one trusted partner that can facilitate the whole region. Uh, but that's certainly an option. Um, I don't think the Premier League will go with that, but other broadcasters might. So watch this space, particularly with the Bundesliga, because BN have decided they're not going to renew their Bundesliga rights, which means they're currently open now in the MENA region. And um, there's certainly whispers that Saudi Arabia might come in and try and put them on a streaming service. Um, so that's another option. Um, and um, obviously the third option and the final option is that B in sports uh, are just allowed back into Saudi Arabia to broadcast. And then that creates problems on the political side because the government may not be happy about that, but it wins a lot of faith with sports uh, rights holders and federations and clubs that the Saudi Arabians will want to work with over the coming years. Um, and it wins a lot of, um, I guess, um, positive feedback from customers who um, will probably want to watch, uh, regardless if it's being sports or not, they'll just be glad that they've got their sport back. So, um, you know, those are the three options, um, you know, country by country tender um, would be, I think, the least likely uh, be in sports coming back into Saudi Arabia is possible, but it would need a, a huge political shift. Um, and the most likely scenario remains that the Saudi government say they had nothing to do with it, that they, they will stick to that standpoint. Um, it's very hard for them not to stick to that standpoint uh, because they've, they've voiced that standpoint so vociferously. And ultimately, they know that this is never going to be tried in a Saudi law court. So they're always going to have some kind of legal standing because nobody can wave a bit of paper in their face within Saudi Arabia and say you were proven guilty. So the most likely scenario is probably that Saudi Arabia will just plan for the future and hope that over the coming months and years, people forget all about BLQ.